0: Welcome to China in Context, I'm Duncan Barker. The port of Shanghai is China's most prosperous city. It's also the country's principal business and finance hub. However, since early April 2022, Shanghai has been in lockdown as part of a stringent effort to stop the pandemic, a so-called zero Covid strategy. Most of the city's 25 million inhabitants have been told to stay at home, although a few diligent workers are determined to remain in their offices, sleeping on the floor. In some districts, whole apartment blocks have been fenced in, leaving people panicking over how they'll get hold of food and medicine. Shanghai is not the only part of China to go into lockdown in 2022. The large cities of Shenzhen and Shenyang, as well as the entire province of Jilin, have been closed off. Joining us on the line from Shanghai today is Frank Sai. He's lived there for 15 years and runs an organization which hosts public lectures called China Crossroads. Frank, welcome to China in Context. Well, thank you very much for hosting me, Duncan. I'd like to start with a question about your own personal experience, please.
1: Well, I've been inside my home now uh, for seven weeks. Uh, um, You know, unlike the lockdowns in the West, uh, you know, we are not supposed to leave our buildings. So, Haven't seen much of the outside world. At the beginning of the lockdown, we were very anxious about food because Shanghai lacked all the delivery workers to get us our food, given that we're inside. Uh, This has gotten much better in the last few weeks. Uh, Today I ran out of coffee again, so I'm kind of anxious about that, where I'm gonna get my coffee. Um, Other things, uh, you know, little personal uh, issues. The screen on my laptop broke. A few weeks ago and there is no way to fix this because all stores are closed and will be for a while given the supply chain bottlenecks um, I spent four hours getting a legal document printed yesterday asking ten neighbors if they had a printer and finally Finally getting my document printed um, a, a large uh, use of my time um, But I also want to say these are all ultimately first world problems. I'm in not in any undue Suffering at all? I am lucky to be uh, have a partner, and I'm not, you know, I'm not experiencing isolation for seven weeks. Other people are, but I would also say that, um, you know, my experience is not true of certain other more vulnerable populations. Uh, these are people with health conditions who can't get timely health care without approval of the party committee in our buildings. Uh, of course, people who test positive, who have to go to central quarantine, and also the scattered reports of forcible eviction of some people whose buildings have a positive case, but they themselves are not positive. Some scattered reports of this. So I'm one of the lucky ones, and I think I'm holding up well, but seven weeks is a long time.
0: It sounds very arduous. I hear a lot of concern about the damage to the financial sector. In order to keep the stock exchange running, it seems that some of the employees are sleeping on the floor. And yet, despite the lockdown, Global investment banks are apparently willing to keep pushing ahead with ambitious plans to expand their business in Shanghai. I'm a bit surprised by that. What's your reading of the situation?
1: You know, I would say this partly predates our lockdown. It's, it's, it's also about the Russia's u- invasion of Ukraine. So when that happened, uh, there were fears among certain Western financial companies in China, those who wanted to take advantage of uh, China's financial opening Um, that China could be sanctioned at some point. I, myself, uh, did not see that as a strong possibility, but um, I also don't know the European media all that well, and I have a friend, I happen to have a friend, who works at such a German company, and and I guess the folks back at headquarters are worried about the stability of economic uh, interactions with China, given the Russia-Ukraine situation. Of course, the Shanghai lockdown doesn't help things at all, Uh, and this especially, I think, is making it difficult to plan uh, to invest and uh, to have staff either uh, come here or stay here. This lockdown will definitely, uh, you know, make them review their role in China. Uh, I've seen surveys saying that up to 40% of expats, you know, mostly in lockdown, they they want to leave China. And a lot of these expats work for multinational companies in Shanghai. I think that number might drop, uh, you know, once if we're let out of lockdown. Uh, but still, uh, you know, these multinational companies are quite worried, and, uh, I mean, what happens in China? You can replace a lot of foreign staff via localization, I mean, given that so many Chinese are fluent in English, have studied and worked abroad, but at the same time, this can only go so far. Um, You know, I don't think that uh, foreign companies will be leaving China so much as not expanding or investing in China, which ultimately still is a decrease in their interactions with China. And, you know, think about it, when you first want to expand your operations or uh, open a new factory, you really need those expat staff. And and there's not going to be that pipeline of expats coming here to really oversee the startup of operations. So I think there will be a big hit on any expansion or investment plans in China.
0: And Shanghai is also the world's largest container port, isn't it? There's a huge traffic jam of ships trying to get into the dock, but Just not enough staff to enable them to load up with supplies sounds like a a nightmare for global supply chains. Uh, One team of economists estimates that the lockdown of Shanghai and its spillover effects are going to knock a staggering 4% off China's GDP. I'm also wondering what the eventual cost will be from a global perspective.
1: Well, you know, 4% may be a high estimate. We have to see if they're rolling lockdowns across China. Shanghai is an important part of China, but it's not all of China. And uh, there are reports that 26% of China is now in lockdown. I think only 15% experienced the same degree of severity of lockdown that we have in Shanghai right now. So definitely we have a big hit on the economy. But I would want to emphasize uh, one point, which is that Europe experienced a 5 to 10% absolute drop In its GDP at some point. Um, And and these are something, these are things that supposedly Western uh, liberal democracies, uh, you know, divided, uh, you know, divisive societies uh, can't come together and handle. Um, And yet they came to some consensus to actually prioritize health over the economy. Now, given this comparative perspective, I, I think China will be perfectly happy to take a hit on the economy so as to protect uh, the health of its people. Um, You know, we always talk about, you know, China being an economic animal, uh, you know, developmental state, but ultimately politics trumps economics, uh, both in this case, but more generally speaking. Um, You know, what's economic development all about for China? It's about achieving modernity and erasing its history of being dominated by the West. Um, It's ultimately about the party cashing out its promises to the Chinese people. That's also what the zero COVID strategy is. After two years of telling people that this is what makes our system better and better protects our health, uh, you know it has to uh, cash out that promise or lose some of its credibility and legitimacy. So uh, both are a piece. Both economic growth and COVID control are all about the party's legitimacy, and I would say that it's going to be very much focused on COVID control.
0: Well, I think you made some very interesting points there, Frank, and it is true that the central government in China has responded to this slowdown in the economy by talking about new stimulus measures. And it's also true that although the European economies did see uh, a major uh, drop off in their uh, GDP and many of them went into recession during the pandemic, uh, most of them recovered quite quickly afterwards. Nevertheless, internationally, there's been a lot of criticism of China's zero COVID approach, uh, particularly in response to the Omicron variation of the virus. It's highly contagious. The words that I often see in the press are are, are that China's following a, a draconian strategy. In other words, it's excessively harsh and severe. What's your view?
1: It's certainly a draconian policy, uh, more specifically in that we can't leave our homes, that we live in fear of being sent to central quarantine. I wash my hands obsessively so that I don't uh, become positive. We're, we're, we're not quite sure how there's still 5,000 positive cases uh, a day, given that we can't interact at all. It used to be that we'd go downstairs to test and we'd line up. We don't do that anymore because there are fears that we catch Omicron simply by lining up and testing. And my building's well run and they come to our doors and test us. Uh, It's also draconian uh, in so far as there are many deaths occurring that wouldn't otherwise occur. I would even say more than the number that have died from COVID so far. There are people who uh, have health conditions and can't get timely care. There are people who experience accidents and can't go to the doctor in time. Uh, So uh, it it certainly is draconian. You know, there's the possibility of one million deaths in China if... Uh, an all-country outbreak ex- approaches the scale of Hong Kong. So you have to see the government's very concerned about this. And you know, we also have to see that you know, this is all about the credibility of the government. This would be a huge loss of face and a huge broken promise to the Chinese people of one million people died in China. So from this perspective, we can appreciate the severity of our lockdown in, in Shanghai. We also have to think about the state media in China, the fact that Most people in China don't have a clear idea of what we're going through in Shanghai.
0: Frank, I've heard it said that Shanghai's leaders, the Communist Party chief Li Qiang and the mayor, Gong Zheng, were initially opposed to the lockdown because they thought the economic cost was too high. This strict lockdown, they say, was imposed by the central government on the orders directly of Xi Jinping.
1: Does that sound plausible to you? I think it's a pretty easy reading of the tea leaves that the central government took over our lockdown. Uh, I may be biased, but I think Shanghai is a well-run government and they would never ha- have allowed these huge problems in implementation if they hadn't been taken over at the very last minute. I, I mean, just you know, about three weeks before lockdown, we were told there'd be no lockdown. And then suddenly there was a lockdown and there's a whole timeline of issues and how it planned, the timing, uh, Shanghai's government doesn't want us to have problems getting our food. So certainly the central government took over. Um, But I I think we shouldn't exaggerate the extent to which this is just Xi Jinping in control of everything. Uh, You know, that's certainly the trend. And we we see him taking more control. There have been reports in Bloomberg recently of how, uh, you know, he's squelching pushback against his personal policies and ultimately, you know, risks to his personal credibility. But What I want to say is that ultimately Xi Jinping is a product of the Communist Party of China. He wouldn't be here where he is now if it weren't for the party. And, you know, we shouldn't say that, you know, Xi Jinping rules China, you know, as as one man rule. He doesn't have that much power. Uh, The Communist Party of China is a strong and functioning institution. And I want to kind of like illustrate that in comparison with uh, Russia, for example. So, you know, we all know that Russia can be seen as a one-man mafia state and its institutions are are pretty fragile depending on one man, Vladimir Putin. China is not like that. Xi Jinping doesn't have that role in China because the CCP is a strong and functioning institution with wide legitimacy in China. Um, Other data points, in the Ukraine war we've seen Russian opposition figures go on global TV, we've seen large-scale protests. That doesn't happen in China because the CCP, the Communist Party of China, is simply more effective in uh, shutting out and preventing these other voices. Well, thank you, Frank.
0: And I sincerely hope that your situation improves as the virus recedes. Indeed, I hope that people throughout China will soon be able to enjoy a more normal life. That was Frank Tsai on the line from Shanghai. He's the founder of China Crossroads, which organizes public lectures. And he's on the teaching teams at the Emnion Business School and the Zhang Zhao Tong, Liverpool University's Department of International Studies. This podcast is produced by the SOAS China Institute, part of the University of London, and you can find out more about our courses and research at SOAS.ac.uk. But for now, that's all from us here at the China in Context Podcast Team.